0: Kendall. Hey, how's it going, man? Yo, ho, ho. Surprise you show up today. Uh speak to the heat down there. What's going on down there? What's going
1: on in uh Naples, Florida? Oh, it's 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 terrible. It's terrible. terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty brutal, man. It rained uh midday and then the problem in Florida is the rain's your only relief in the summertime.
0: But then when <laughs> it's hot, like it is other
1: than Vagisil. <laughs> yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but then it turns it turns into a sauna right after that but i I can't complain man it doesn't really get terribly cold doesn't snow in the winter time and it's a decent trade-off i guess it's not so bad you you know what it is you've been yeah i
0: lived there for 12 years and then i moved back here and only find that uh michigan is surrounded by the great lakes and uh The humidity is not that much different at all, not by a whole lot at all. But on the last episode, we closed out saying that we were going to talk about what I whispered as the Florida Panthers. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I know you're down for that. You're down there in that fucking equator shit. Um, But before we get into that, man, lots of signings, RFA signings. I'm just going to give you a name, a number. And then you just give me your thoughts, and I'm gonna rapid fire to the next one. I'm not even gonna give my opinion. How's that sound?
1: No, seriously. <laughs> well, it, no, 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 come yeah, on. Yeah, no, that's no, fine. No. That's fine. But if you have something to, you know, something. No, to no,
0: add, no, do, no, 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 do, uh, ga- no, 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 no. right. We're starting off game show style. I'm gonna give you the name, the number. You tell me what you think, and then we wrap it on the next one. You ready? Your game? Yeah, we're sure, gonna start. Man in a less order of importance, because when it gets to the end, we're going to segue into a bigger com- uh, conversation. So we got Chris Kreider, New York Rangers, four years
1: at 4.625. Go. That's great. That's great. Kreider plays uh, his position. Well, solid, you know, power forward. He's relatively young. Rangers haven't really gotten, I think everything they've expected out of him, but you know, four-year term, last two years with an NTC, I think he's deserved it. He hits hard, he plays hard. Uh The Rangers have to find, you know, some players to build around, and I think he can be one of them. Yeah,
0: and uh, and in, in that same breath, uh Kevin Hayes, 2.6,
1: two years. Thoughts? Perfect deal for Kevin Hayes because I think he has hit less than Chris Kreider thus far. I mean, both – Figuratively and and literally, same kind of player. Though. Is a, same kind of player. He just not as aggressive. No, no, no. Uh, but he's he's got some skills, you know, to his name. So I think I think he will pan out. But at least the two years gives the Rangers a little bit more time to determine
0: what they have in him. I agree. Alex Galorn, Tampa Bay Lightning, four point four five for seven years.
1: Yeah. He's 26. Seven He's 26.
0: years. He's 26 years old.
1: Yeah. He'll be 27 by the time the season begins. I mean, that's a little – I'm critiquing there. But that's kind of the point, isn't it? Like seven years for a 27-year-old, like everyone's given heat for, you know, these 30-year-olds getting signed long-term. Like is Killorn one of those guys potentially? Like potentially one of those middling contracts? I mean, at seven years, I mean, you'd have to think so. You would. I mean, he's got a modified no-trade clause, but he doesn't have a no-move. I guess he could be one of those expansion fodder guys if things don't work out. He could. Uh, he he
0: could. He could. Um, he's got middle-of-the-road statistics, and actually, he he's played pretty well, especially in the playoffs. He's he's proved to be a pretty valuable player on their roster. But the seven-year deal, man, I don't know about that seven years.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's look, the part Eisen's that eats me. To...
0: Seven years.
1: Yeah, no, me too. Like, well, it, I realize what Eisenman's trying to do. He's he's trying to build a long-term like core. Well, like, like I said on but, the last
0: podcast to you, when I got in your face, fool, was that like they have a window. They got a window. They signed Stamkos and Hedman to eight-year deals, so they got a window. So I guess by mm-hmm. signing those guys to eight-year deals, they're thinking that by signing Cologne to a seven-year deal, he's going to be a part of that window. But at that kind of money, man, like at the end of that window... That 4.45 might, I mean, based on what he's shown the past couple years, I don't know. It, it's like overpaying for Darren Helm if you're the Red Wings. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the three, the top three comparables that Tom from General Fanager threw up on Twitter the other day, or when the, when the deal was commenced, uh, were Scott Hartnell, six years at 4.75, Justin Ablocator, seven, seven years at 4.25, and Andrew Shaw, Six years at three point nine million, and I like all three of those players and what they bring to their respective teams, but none of those none of those players on their respective terms at their respective cap hits are impressive to me, and I just kind of feel like Alex Kalorn is one of those guys. No, the the biggest problem. He's impressive. He's impressive. You can say it. No, he's he's good because you can plug him into any line, but. The biggest problem is this leaves the Lightning with $8.53 million left in the cap. And they still need to sign Kucherov. And, like, I realize that's enough money to get Kucherov signed. But the trade off is the fact that Vlad Mestikov and Andrei Nesterov, uh, Nesterov are both gone. They're Ooh. both gone. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. They would be, wouldn't they? Look, the model that, that, that Chicago built was you find... Mm-hmm roughly five players that are a part of your core and you get them locked up long-term and then you, in turn, you lose good young talent, right? Like they just lost, uh, And So Nemesnikov might be your version of Taravainen and Nesterov. I'm not really sure he was destined for greatness at the NHL level with his, you know, inept defensive abilities, but really solid offensively. So those two guys, I mean, but I just don't know if Kucherov is is of that ilk, you know, that super long term player that you need to build your team around. I mean, we'll, well, we'll find but, out. But how can you say that after they just give Kalorn
0: a seven year deal, and you, and you 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 say that about Kucherov?
1: Perhaps I misspoke. I just I'm not convinced that Alex Kalorn is a part of that core that that needs to be there that long to to win multiple cups. But I mean, we'll see, man. I like Kalorn. I do. Uh, I think Kucherov is much more important. Well, we'll get into the Lightning a little bit more pretty soon here. I think the the Florida Panthers speak is going to, you know, amp us up for some Lightning talk. So we'll look deeper into that at that time, and hopefully they'll have Kucherov signed by then. They definitely got enough space to do it right now. Uh, uh, they, uh, we'll see.
0: We'll see by a World Cup in uh, training camp, but. Man, that Kucherov deal, that's gonna be that's gonna be uh, Weasley to fit in there in that 8.5 uh cap space. Yep. Jaden Schwartz, 5.35,
1: five years. Go. Great deal. That's more than a fair contract for a player that scores at a 30 and 30 right. And I think <clears throat> unfortunately enough for him, I think it probably helped the blues out considerably by the fact that he was hurt last season. Because I think if he had had like a Dynamite year. Which he, you probably could have gotten. He more. he probably would have had a dynamite year. He'd be looking at like six six plus six two five somewhere in there. Yep, comparables are Forsberg six years at six, <laughs> Sod six years at six, Smith five years at five, and Trochik, six years at four point seven five. So I mean, it, it's it's fair, dude. It's right in line. In fact, it's more than fair for the Blues. <laughs> the only problem with that is is uh, with that signing. The Blues have an estimated three point six two left in cap space. They're not fine so got thirteen but f- no, but thirteen forwards, eight D, two goalies. You know, that's that's a that's a slim amount of change left over. But you know, real quick, man, I did kind of hate. Remember when we talked about likes and dislikes? Yeah, I did kind of hate on the Blues a, a bit, and I said that I didn't like the fact that they got worse. Yeah, the more that I've the more that I've thought about it, it might serve them dude, better Fabry's, in the future. Dude, Fabry's younger and faster. Is that what you're thinking? And more skilled. I think Fabry is an adequate replacement for backers down the middle. And then David Perron, dude. Perron was solid next to Getzloff next year or last year. And, in fact, like points per 60, he was one of the better players in the NHL when he first came over to Anaheim. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Shattenkirk's going to suck to lose, but they do have Pareko. And, like, maybe Jake Allen finally gets it done. Like – Dude, I don't know, man. Maybe they're gonna be just fine. So I, I might I might take part of that back a little bit. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. You got anybody else, man, on the docket? Jamie Ben, man.
0: We play in a uh, keeper league, uh fantasy hockey league. And I've got Ben and I got him at a fifth round steal two year two years ago. <laughs> got him at a fifth round steal two years ago. And I've been just yeah, you did. I've just been
1: hanging on to that hanging on to that ace in my pocket. Um, I know, but, man. I, but, know, I keep offering you Matt Cullen, but you just won't take fuck it. Fuck Matt Cullen. I don't know why. I actually, I, actually
0: <laughs> I like Matt Cullen. You know, no disrespect. <laughs> no disrespect to Matt Cullen, man. Fuck that. Um, you heard it from him, Matt. If you're listening. But our formula in fantasy is based on their uh, salary amount. And Jamie Ben, my man, my man's been a value to me for the past two years. And, he, and honestly, I can say with all certainty as a Red Wings fan. Jamie Benn is my favorite player in the NHL I love the fact that he plays wing but he's really a center he's got a when he has played center he's a great percentage on the draw covers up for Tyler Sagan Tyler Sagan plays the center spot Jamie Ben on the wing takes face offs power forward nasty shot dirty hands my my favorite player in the NHL but He signed an eight-year extension with the Stars, 9.5 a year. This was supposed to be a rapid-fire thing, Kendall. What the fuck? We get off the rails. So, yeah, Jamie Ben, 9.5
1: a year, eight years. Go. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, For a guy that that, uh, won the scoring race last year, finished second this year, only to Patrick Kane, who had his best career season to date and – you know, very possibly we will never match those numbers again. So Jamie Ben might win the scoring race again next year if, if uh, Connor McDavid doesn't get it, who I got in our Keeper League. <laughs> 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 but, you know, $76 million, um, he trails only Taves and Kane and Kopitar in terms of the annual cap hit. And $56 million in bonuses, which I think ranks him second or third in terms of Players getting paid the most in bonuses. All right, full, all, right, all right, No, yep. Full no movement clause. Full no movement for, through the. I don't know why you'd ever move. Yeah, him. Exactly.
0: He but deserves 51% it. Fifty
1: one percent of his contract, yeah, is paid in the first three years. of The deal heavily front loaded. Um, dude, it's great for Ben. It's great for Dallas. They're they're looking at the model, man. They're looking at that Chicago model. Sagan's gonna get the same kind of deal. And I'm sorry, dude, if you're building your team around. Ben and Sagan, you pay them out the ass. And Klingberg and and probably Yeah, who they're not paying out the ass. Exactly. That's the point. That's why that's why that's why I whispered that name
0: in there. You're building your team around those guys and John Klingberg at a deal.
1: Yeah. Hey, um, quick thought on that just came to mind. You know, I was just mentioning the, the the low cap hit that Klingberg has long term and the fact that he's getting underpaid. Yeah. Think about that in Chicago. Who's got that same sweetheart of a deal that is vitally important on the blue line? Duncan Keith. Hawks. It's Duncan Keith, who is getting severely underpaid relative to, to his placement or his ranking in NHL defensemen. So, and part part of me feels like he's just, just fine with that contract, though. Until it runs out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's got three They'll, they'll, give, like, they'll resign honestly, him.
0: If- honestly, the, like, the NBA just got a giant cap boost on their salary cap. And a lot of guys that aren't worth a whole lot have been getting giant deals. That's what, And they're signing two-year deals, a lot of these basketball players. So what we'll see yeah. is, like, when Duncan Keith's contract runs out, the the NHL will see a cap spike like the NBA just did this past offseason. And we'll see a guy like Duncan Keith sign for, like, two years, fucking 7.75 a year. He's going to command the bucks. He is. So, man, enough of those signings. We had a trade. We probably should have started off on the top because it was one trade. Derek Broussard from the Rangers, good utility center, got traded along with a seventh-round, 2018th-year entry draft pick to the Ottawa Senators for Mika Zabinejad, young Mika Zabinajad, who makes about half as much as him, and along with a second-round, 2018th entry draft round pick.
1: Yeah, um, Actually, you know, when I first heard about it, I wasn't entirely sure what to think. It was one of those deals where I, I thought, I think I need to get home and look into this a little bit before I formulate an opinion. And here's the deal. Um, Brasard's 28 years old, 29 by the time the season starts. He's had a steady incline in points and goals over the last three seasons. Uh-huh. He moves closer to home, which is in Quebec. Cable. wow he is he is the better player in this trade oh yeah and, absolutely you know, the old adage is you know the best player the team that gets the best player usually you know wins the yeah, trade. he's also he's also um, he's
0: six years older five years five and a half six years older than zabenjad so
1: yeah so there's the there's the age gap and there's the draft pick gap
0: i mean it's a gi- it's a you giant know? giant jump of a draft pick you mean you go from a, like a second round pick is a great
1: pick they yeah, it well it's much better than a seventh round pick. Seventh round picks usually don't amount to anything at all. Um but looking into the whole deal into Fan, general fanager, because we know Melnick. Melnick is Melnick's a cheap ass. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And these these two GMs are green, man. They're they're newbies. They're you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen months in. So what it really comes down to is money. Yeah, right now, uh, it's a five million dollar cap hit through two thousand nineteen, which is sustainable for the Senators. Thirteen million bucks have already been paid out by the Rangers. It's a front-loaded deal, and the Rangers paid the most recent two million dollar sign on. Ooh, bonus, or, uh, yeah, that's a killer. Bonus. That's a killer. So yeah, the 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 Sens actually pay only five million real dollars in two thousand sixteen seventeen, and okay, then three okay. and a half for each of Broussard's last two years. Okay, okay. Whereas the Rangers, they get... Now, keep in mind, both these players came off career years. Absolutely. And both these players are no better than a second-line center. Absolutely. In my opinion. So, the Rangers get a serviceable second-line center who never really peaked in Ottawa. And he might peak there because he's, he's, he's younger. He's younger. He's only 23. Yeah, he might peak there. You and know? That's, that's a reasonable investment. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But he's younger, he's bigger... Uh, his cap hits only $2.65 million. However, the structure is different, oh, yeah? and his salary is actually – there's only this remaining year left in term. The salary is actually $3.25 million. It's a back-end loaded contract. So they're actually paying him out more in salary than they are in the cap J- James Dolan, the guy that owns the Rangers, he ain't worried about that. Exactly. A, it, and so it, that's it, it, why – It's a cap hit thing. It is. It's a cap hit thing, and it, it honestly makes sense. Um, and then the Rangers also get a second round pick in the, out of the deal. So I mean, yeah, the, they, the the Rangers get a second round pick, and they get a guy who is
0: younger, cheaper, and still has some upside. Like if you watch Zabenedjad play, he he's got some upside still. Mm-hmm. And like you like yeah, you it, said, you equate them both to second line centers. They're both solid second line options, even right now. There's no like development to be had. So. Maybe Zeminejad, you know, there's some upside there.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, the, the signings that just happened today uh, with Kreider and company, who really threw me for a loop because I was prepared to pot and then this happened. It's like, oh, no, uh, by by trading Broussard. The Rangers opened up ten point six five million in cap space to work with, and that's what allowed them to to sign these RFAs, and that's what they yeah, needed Crider, to do. Hayes. They needed to get Kreider yeah. and Hayes locked up, yep, because they feel that they're a part of that core. Um, but what it comes down to really is <laughs> the Sens still think they can win yeah, now. They can. I mean, Broussard's a great add. He, I, I'm pretty sure he led the, the Rangers in power play points last last season in terms of forwards, but. I, like, it's over for the Senators. They're not. It's not Dude, now. Turris Broussard is not the worst one A one B combo you ever heard of. No, it's it's not. It's not at all. I don't really feel like either one of these teams lost the trade, and I don't really feel like either one of these teams won the trade. And like, then we go back to it, wait, like,
0: unless podcast we're talking about teams with a number one center. Neither of these teams have a number
1: one center. Right. Yeah. Although. I really do like um Kyle Turris. So do I, but he's offensive. He's, he's, he's like a Nazem
0: Kadri with a little more experience. not a gr- he's not a number one center.
1: Nah. Yeah. Um <laughs> here's a real interesting point to all of this. Um and I just saw it I just saw Tom from General Fanager throw this up before we hit record. Gorton actually might be a little wiser than I was willing to give him credit for in this trade. Yeah, that,
0: I, I agree. That's why I, I think Zibinejad is a, a great ad for them.
1: Well, here's why. Check lay, lay this it out. Man. Lay it out. Lay I, it out. I'm going to read this out of the CBA, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to pretend like I completely understand it, which makes me hesitant to even throw it on the podcast. But I think it's worth. Well, mentioning. dude, you, right? you barely know how to read, so you should. You should just try that first. <laughs> yeah, just go <laughs> ahead. You barely know how to read. All right. So, for teams with one or more arbitration filings in an off-season, an additional buyout window is available for 48 hours after the team's last arbitration filing is awarded or settled. For this buyout window, there's a minimum AAV requirement for the player being bought out that was that varies annually. The estimated minimum for the 2015 off-season is 2.9 blah 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 in addition to meeting this minimum aav the player must have been on the team's reserve list for the previous year to qualify for this buyout window teams can execute a maximum of three buyouts in this additional buyout window over the course of the entire cba term so what we need to figure out what i need to figure out and you know perhaps the answer is already known to to wiser well, it doesn't even have to be complicated man what the rangers did
0: is they gave themselves a buyout window
1: i think they
0: did did. i saw it on twitter i saw other people writing about it what they did is they 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 settled this stuff before the deadline and what that allowed was a buyout window because like you said the Mm -hmm. language that you just spit at me said that if it's settled then it all counts towards a, a, a reopening of a buyout window that I think is like 24 to 48 hours, and that happened. And so the Rangers might find a way to take advantage of that, and that's what you're getting at. Yeah, they're going to find a way to take advantage of that. Most likely... <coughs> Girardi <coughs> stole Exactly. But, yeah, and you said <laughs> there's a minimum 2.9. Is that we said, 2.9? A minimum uh-huh. 2.9. So, yeah. Yeah, they're going to find a way to take advantage of it, man. Like, there, there is a... a I mean... I mean, if you're debating Girardi or Stahl, Stahl is a little more mobile. You know, he comes from a hockey pedigree. Dan Girardi's a, a pylon, even though I like Dan Girardi. But but that ends that segment. What we were really here for, the whole episode was supposed to be at the, about the Florida Panthers, but we've been rambling and bumbling on. Um, I know last episode we talked about Las Vegas and they want a militaristic logo. And I've heard other outlets talk about how They're trying to go the uh, Florida Panthers route with their new logo, with their new logo. Sorry. They're trying to go the Florida Panthers route with their new logo. (sighs) I mean, I get where the militaristic thing or the uh, comparison comes from, from other people with the Florida Panthers, but they got that like half crest on the front and the stripes along the sides. I don't know, man. Like... (laughs) I'm a sucker, man. Like I lived in Florida for 13 years. You still reside there. You were born and raised there, um, man. I like I like the Pavel Bure jerseys, like <laughs> the dark blue, the white, and then the you know bright orange jerseys. Like I I I really don't know how to feel about this like militaristic styling. It rubs me the wrong way, man. How do you feel?
1: So. I, I do like the new logo. It kind of screams Arsenal of the English Premier League. Yeah, menu, kind which is of. Funny because yeah, we're talking I about can the, see that. The, I can see that. Yeah, we're talking about the militaristic. Yeah. Thing. You know what I really love about it? What? I really love that gold fleck. What, what gold fleck? What do you mean gold fleck? The gold that's in the jersey has like a gold metallic. Okay, fleck like I got it's, I got it's, you. It's I got, a got bit you. Shiny. I got you. Yeah, dude. It reminds me of Nashville silver. Uh, on their jerseys between 2007 and 2011, oh, like oh, those, yeah, the silver, the silver shoulders, like that was awesome. I love that jersey so much more than this mustard yellow shit. And I'm not saying it looks bad; like it actually does look tight. And PK Subban's gonna rock that shit. But that jersey, I really liked it, man. And I, I, same with Tampa Bay. Yeah. Tampa yeah, Tampa yeah, Bay yeah, had yeah, that yeah, silver yeah, yeah. fleck in their logos. And their old unis were so much better than this new just blue and white flat I thing got that you. they've got going on right now. I'm talking about the logo. We're talking about the logo. Uh, yeah. Well, I like the old logo better. I still like the new one. Ugh. I don't hate it. I really like the jerseys. Here's the deal. The logo has to remain sacred. And that's that's the only issue I wait, have wait, wait, with wait, the Wait, logo wait, wait, wait. What do you mean sacred? What do you mean sacred? Well, or the, uh, I shouldn't say has to remain sacred, but the logo is sacred. You look at it teams means like, something. you know, yeah, you know, and and I don't mean like don't walk on the carpet sacred, you know. Fuck you, Justin <laughs> like, Bieber. Like Cal Quetterbuck. Yeah, I, I don't mean that, but I do mean that if there's going to be one sacred thing about your uniform, it should be the crest. And like, I love the fact that original six teams don't really change much of anything you look at toronto and detroit and montreal as being the the main ones or the key cogs in that logic but they even still tweak things you know in terms of the striping um or or placement of various things patches and numbers and things like that yeah uh but the the panthers it's a complete overhaul it's a new jersey and a new logo like tampa bay changed You know, I told you I like the the silver fleck. I like the old Tampa Bay uniforms better. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like a lot. And trust
0: me, I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of two tone jerseys. But Tampa Bay went, uh,
1: yeah. uh, No, I know. It wasn't good. It's just too plain. It's too plain. It's too plain. And I'm fine with the newer like expansion, you know, quote unquote expansion teams coming in and, and changing things up. Like, New New Jersey's are exciting. Um, uh, yeah, so, they are. They are. They are. Uh, they are. And it's, it's, a sell, it's a selling point to the fans. Yeah. But when you have a good logo, like, I just... It's like the old Senators logo, man. Like, I keep bringing up all these teams, and I'll stop. I realize you guys are getting sick of this, but... Yeah. Like, I love that old Senators logo. <laughs> what was wrong with that? It was perfect, man. It was simple. It was clean. Yo, I, I don't know how you feel, but I love their third jerseys, man. I just do, I, the especially ones, on the, the gold black ones man. that say "Sends." No, 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 no. Oh no, no, no the, that's the, like uh, as uh, bad uh, as the the,
0: pulse, the, one. Uh, <laughs> the the Chicago style ones with the wraparounds yes. with the big O in the middle. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. yeah, yeah. Those are cool. Those are cool.
1: I, I I'm down with those. Mm-hmm. I'm down with those. This whole, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the jersey and the logo there. But the point is, is that this is an ownership makeover. This is an ownership directive. And what Viola and company are doing, and it, the trickle down is tremendous, is changing the face of the franchise. And they're doing this visually with the logo and with the jersey.
0: Dude, I love those Pavel Bure jerseys, that bright orange, all that type of shit. But the Florida Panthers have gone a giant management change. Why don't you speak on that?
1: Yeah, well, it starts with the ownership group and the the new jerseys, the new logo. I know we spent a bunch of time talking about that, but all of that is just a visual representation of the reshaping, the reformation mm-hmm. of this organization, like from top to bottom. And it goes deep. It goes, It goes like sensitively deep with the fan base and with the players. And the casual fan might turn on the television and say, oh, look, Team's got a new look, but the new look is is hitting hard with a lot of these guys. Oh yeah! And typically, you don't see a team with as much success as the Florida Panthers had last season. Last, last three shake seasons. Things up last three entirely. seasons. Entirely. Yeah, and it's been it's been a gradual, you know, or actually a quick uprising of the Florida Panthers over the last three years, which is great. Yeah. But then they go and they shake things up like this. I mean, how, how do you feel about talent? the fact that on the day that Talon's extension was renewed, um, Roe basically took his job. I mean, w- w- where are you at on that?
0: Well, I mean, uh, Dale Talon went upstairs. He's going to be, you know, the VP of, uh, or not even the VP, just he's going to be the president of hockey operations. And then his uh, assistant general manager, Tom Rowe, is going to sweep in, be the GM. And I don't see a problem with that. I mean, um, you see this a lot with other teams, where a guy that's currently in the GM role slides up, slides in, and then goes upward, like up the ladder. And I mean, do you think they take? That's actually a good question. Do you think they take a pay cut to do that?
1: Here's the deal, though, with with Talon. Okay, Greg and Greg and Merrick outline this. Okay, on the same day that they extend Talon, Rose slides in. And I do wonder, like they wondered, if the Panthers—and I don't know this for sure—lowballed Talon, expecting him to walk. Ah, uh, how do you how do you feel and how do you feel about that? How do how do you feel about that? Well, like they rightly pointed to, I think what we might see is Dale Talon build a really wonderful thing, and then somebody else take the credit for it. This has happened before. We've seen this happen before. To Dale Talon, Dale Talon knows how to build hockey teams, and I'm not saying that Tom Rowe isn't the right guy for the job necessarily. And look, Eric Joyce and Steve Warrior come in; they're analy- anal- analytics dudes. They know their shit. They know how to, you know, build a team analytically. But the experience in the in the poise and the prowess that Dale Talon brings, there's. Very few managers that stack up to Dale Talon's abilities. It's just very rare that we see Dale Talon actually reap the benefits of all of his work. I think that he's just going upstairs. That's all I think.
0: I think he's going upstairs. He's taking the same salary, maybe even more salary, going upstairs and still having an input on hockey operations. That's all.
1: Well, to this point, Rowe has fired the assistant coach, John Madden. He was coaching the defensemen. Uh, He fired the skating coach. He fired the traveling advisors and the equipment managers. These guys have been there between 8 and 20-some-odd years. Um, We're seeing very, very quickly Roe's direct input on this team. I mean, Roe was a coach, and here's the thing, man. I mean, other podcasts, namely Greg and and Merrick, have, have spoken to the point of, you know, Talon, as well as Gerard Gallant, they're, they're not Viola guys, and they're not Roe guys. Like, for example, man, Rowe coached in the KHL for Yaroslavl during the lockout. Kulikov played on that team. Rowe wasn't a big Kulikov guy. He hardly even played him. And Kulikov was hard to re-sign coming out of the lockout. And Rowe moved him. Rowe has moved Kulikov real quickly. And look, given the fact that Gallant's not a talent, or I'm sorry, not a row guy and, and not a Viola guy, he's not there higher. Um, dude, we, we might see this shakeup all the way down to the bench. And that's, that's saying a lot for a guy that was not nominated for the Jack Adams, but the Panthers, the Panthers probably did a little bit better than they should have last season. I mean, without, without a month long 12 game winning streak, they might not have been division winners and they might not have been regarded as a dominant team as dominant. Yeah. They were second highest in the league in PDO only to the Rangers. And we know how good the Rangers are. It's not very good. Yeah. They're 19th in score adjusted course. They're 23rd in power play 24th in PK. Like I really do think that if the Panthers don't get off to a hot start and look, I really like a lot of the things that they've done that, this mass exodus of all these key people that were involved in building this team up might be gone just for the sake of reforming and, and reshaping this franchise. And that's the only thing that concerns me because I like the signings, I like the extensions for the most part. But the shakeup at, at the front, at the top, is a little concerning because money guys, look, man. I don't want to talk about this for too long, but money guys or owners that step in and try to take too much of the spotlight and try to get too involved in hockey ops, it usually doesn't go well. Look at Melnick, man. Look at Melnick. He's the, he's the, he's the polar opposite of that of that opinion. Oh, money guys throw money at things, and just because they're money guys, and just because they own a team. Doesn't necessarily mean they know how to build a team, and Dale Talon knows how to build a team. That's my only concern. Are you telling me that you think that Dale Talon
0: has been pushed out? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I do. Oh shit, shit, man. Because I, uh, not for the sake of debate or this podcast, I, I kind of have to disagree with you.
1: I hope I'm wrong.
0: I mean, I, I know you hope you're <laughs> wrong because you, I know you want that franchise to do well. But I, I, I kind of have to just dis- disagree with you, man. I have to think that Tom Rowe was waiting. Dale Talon was the GM, and he wants Tom Rowe to have more of an active role because Tom Rowe learned under him, and then he can go upstairs. I, I really don't think it's a. I don't think it's a de- detrimental situation.
1: Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. I have just. We've seen it with management. We've seen it with coaches. That whole associate tag turn into you know something more.
0: Okay, so I think on the last podcast we got into like uh, expansion drafts and like how you build a team. The way that they've signed their contracts, like Riley Smith, Barkov, trochek, even Yager, like they they've given a lot of money out to their. To their uh, a forward grouping, and they've committed a lot of money to Aaron Neckblad and they already have a lot of money committed to uh, Roberto Luongo, and they brought in James Reimer on on a pretty big ticket. How do you feel about on paper the distribution of dollars based on groups like forward to defense to goaltending? Like, do you think there might be a cause for concern uh, with too much money in one area, or like, oh, what do you, how do you see that on paper?
1: Let's uh, for the sake of not jumbling everything up too much, let's start with goaltending because uh, I, I think you and I were both equally as excited to see James Reimer get this job. Brilliant move, right? To sign James Reimer to a five-year deal at three point four three point four million per year. Oh,
0: absolutely, and
1: they uh they uh they picked up uh
0: Red Obera, didn't they? Yeah. So like they got three three NHL goalies on one-way deals which means they don't have enough confidence in uh, uh, what did
1: Longo hurt, his hip or his back? Good, fair question. Uh, it could have been anything given his age. <laughs> I mean, he's old. He's old. <laughs> I think it was his hip. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: he's old. So it could have been a hit, his hip or his back. So they, they, they signed Reimer, and they signed and not Not a bad call. Not a bad call. But one would have to think – Um, I don't know uh, Luongo's contract situation, but one would have to think that they leave him exposed in the uh, expansion draft. And uh, they have uh, set up Reimer for the next few years to be the number one goalie.
1: Yeah. um, Luongo is signed until 2000 and forever, actually. Um, Yeah, we all know He's not going to finish that contract. He'd be 42 years old if he finished that contract. Um, but this look, man, this isn't a slight on on Longo. Like this actually helps him. He he played sixty-two games last season, finished thirty-five, nineteen, and six with a nine three, four, seven even strength save which percentage. Which is nasty. Um, which is nasty, and he was a little up and down in the playoffs, but he still he still posted a nine thirty-four save percentage all situations. But Reimer is Definitely capable of taking over that number one position. Absolutely. Sharing Absolutely. sharing time with Luongo in, in the first year or two. He comes with no stipulations in terms of uh, NTC or, or no movement clause. And James Reimer was the best even strength save percentage goalie in the entire league last year. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's perfect. And. I'm really glad you brought up that expansion draft, Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to start with goalies when you mentioned that, is the fact that they can leave Luongo exposed. Las Vegas is not going to take Luongo at his age and cap hit. That wouldn't make any sense for them, so they're totally safe. It depends on what uh, Florida leaves exposed. The Panthers are pretty deep, especially in in defense, and I, I I think that Luongo... I think Luongo and Reimer is is a safe bet for, you know, a strong one-two punch. And in fact, like the bottom line on that goaltending tandem is that the Panthers are going to have one of the best goalie tandems in the league next season. And just keeping it in the state of Florida, which I promise guys we're not going to do every episode just because we both lived here for a while, the Lightning's need to move Bishop and the loss of their one-two punch, even though I do believe in Gulevskis, is an advantage for the Panthers, Luongo and Reimer versus Vasilevsky and Goodluck. That's a very interesting like, point. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, I mean these are two guys with experience on term that the Panthers can lean on, and they've they've both played good chunks of an NHL season. So whatever happens, it should be pretty solid, man. Well, um, <clears throat> on defense, they lost Brian
0: Campbell because Brian Campbell. Uh, took a two-year, uh, two million dollar deal to go back to Chicago, right? And um, Demers signed a pretty hefty contract. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's like what is it like?
1: Yeah, uh, Demers signed for four years at four point five annual cap it.
0: And then they traded Eric Goodbranson to the uh, Canucks for Jared McCann. And we can all talk about what, what a great prospect Jared McCann is, but you lose Goodbranson,
1: you trade for Yandel's rights. You signed Yandel. The defense has been massively overhauled. Like, when we talk about the front office and, and all of those cats, Kulikov, Campbell, and Branson gone from the blue line. Like, but incredibly, like, at least for the short, te- short term, their defense, like, might have improved, which is crazy. But, I mean, let's let's go through these guys, man. I mean, the, the biggest one of them all is Ekblad. Eight-year, $60 million contract. Uh, Begins next season, $7.5 million cap hit. The clauses, no movement starting in 2021, and a modified NTC in 2024. That's a
0: a monster. That's a monster,
1: but a great contract. Oh, it's a wonderful contract. Dude's 20 years old. He's 20 years old. Jesus (laughs) Christ. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. one of the he's one of the league's most promising rising young elite level defensemen. Oh, absolutely! In every capacity, offensively, defensively, in terms of size. Yeah, he's he's he, a big
0: kid. He's a big kid.
1: Uh, uh, he's he's great. It's great signing for Ekblad, and that's that's where it all begins. Um, the second biggest contract on that blue line, like you alluded to, was uh, Keith Yandel, seven years, six point three five per year. How do you feel about that contract?
0: Man, that contract is uh, pretty hefty, man. They let go of Brian Campbell. What what was Campbell's cap hit? I can't recall exactly. I think it was closer to seven. Close to seven. I mean, Yandel's not quite there. But, I mean, do you you think Yandel's the same player as Campbell?
1: I don't, no. I think that, you know, is it an adequate replacement for Campbell? Here's the thing, man. All right. Campbell finishes like a similar contract in terms of cap hit and term like relative to age because by the time Yandel finishes this contract he's 37 and Brian Campbell's 37 right now so like that makes sense right yeah yeah but Yandel is Yandel's an offensive specialist and like what Yandel's going to do is boost that power play next to next to Eckblad that's going to be pretty ridiculous because campbell or i'm sorry Yandel. <laughs> he's, he's a 50 point player he's a 50 60 point player he's a 50 point player and so you're gonna get that yeah you know i mean he's 11th best in in a three-year average all situations points per 60 in, in all defensemen uh he's slots right in between pk Subban and Tori krug so he's in good company good company you know, he's, but he's but good company but what do you think about the deal and how it impacts that blue line I don't like it. I don't like the deal. Like, uh, it, what it does is it it upsets the the salary structure of the blue line long-term. And the Panthers have so many good young defensemen in the system, like so many players that can come in and play NHL minutes real, real soon that Yandel might be a little bit of a speed bump long-term in, in terms of that, that salary structure. Um, I like him now. I like him for the next couple of years, but, like, throughout his career, Yandel's been used against lower-level competition and been given sheltered minutes in the offensive zone starts and minutes. So he's heavily relied upon in the offensive zone. He's not the shutdown cerebral genius that Brian Campbell is by any stretch of the imagination. If you remember back when Campbell started that massive contract, he was an offensive juggernaut. So, I mean, could Yandel develop into – more of a heady defenseman, like heads-up defenseman, quite possibly. Possible. And quite possibly this contract won't be so bad if the cap goes up. But, like, for right now, I'm just not crazy about the contract. Don't hate it, hate it, but I don't love it Well, either.
0: what what they're relying on is the uh, growth of the young guys. Like,
1: one guy that I've got my radar on is uh, Mike Matheson. Yeah. hmm I would rather see Matheson develop next to Ekblad on the top pairing. Like – he had his fair share of mistakes in the postseason, but that's important to his growth. My only gripe with the whole Matheson, Yandel, Ekblad conversation is like, wouldn't wouldn't Matheson have benefited so much more by playing a full season with Brian Campbell?
0: Like, Brian Campbell has yeah, made guys that's money. That's a great point. And then I want to bring another name into the conversation, because I think he could sneak his way into the top four is um, Alex Petrovic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh Petrovic, I like Petrovic, man. He's he's got more offensive upside. He's got offside. some snarl. Uh, he's got more offensive upside than Erica Branson. Moves the puck up the ice well. And yeah, he's like got some said, snarl, man, man. He he's he does. He fought Evander Kane three times in that game. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, he did. He's got some snarl, but he, he has skill. He's got he's got skill. It wouldn't surprise me if he found his way into that top four.
1: No, he, he very well could. He very well could. Um, you know, one of the guys that made an exit out of that top four is Dmitry exactly, Kulikov. Like, exactly, exactly. Like we spoke of. Kulikov goes to Buffalo for Mark Pisik and a swap of some picks. Um it's been said on our podcast that I'm not the biggest fan of Kulikov, but that's that's only partially true, man. Like, Kulikov has been a steady presence for the Panthers' blue line for six years. Like, firmly defined. In a,
0: a four-to-six slot,
1: he's he's valuable on almost any team. Oh, he's, he's certainly a top-four defenseman, especially in Buffalo. <laughs> but he's defined as a cerebral two-way player, and he's really effective. Like... I'm only disenchanted with him because I thought his ceiling was a little bit higher on the offensive side of the puck. Like the the that's signing enough, of Keith Yandel. yeah, the signing of Keith Yandel signaled that trade though. Like that was it for Kulikov. We, we knew it. And Kulikov was hard to sign last time around. Rowe isn't particularly keen on him. Like no one's surprised that Kulikov's gone. But Mark Pissick coming back. You you alluded to Petrovic maybe sliding into that top four. I think Mark Pissick could also compete for those minutes um yeah the Panthers accomplished a couple of things in that deal man I mean Pissick's an analytics darling and I, I just gotta throw some uh, some credit to Shane O'Donnell of the hockey prospectus I wrote or I didn't write it I read an article on Pissick written by him on todayslapshot.com pointing to Pissick's underlying numbers and suggesting his ceiling might be that of Anton Strollman his possession numbers and outlet passes and zone exit success rate is excellent, given his experience in the NHL, which was limited, I think, intentionally by Buffalo. Buffalo is trying to tank. They moved key, play, key players out, and they're going to they're gonna deny that, but it's a fact. Buffalo wanted McDavid. They wanted Matthews. Like they, Not as much as they wanted McDavid. So wait. They... They
0: tanked it. So, wait, are you saying that they didn't play certain defensemen in certain pairings because they wanted to tank?
1: Yeah, I think so, man. We saw him trading goalies, trading. If a goalie started playing well, he was gone. Pissick, if you look at his underlying numbers, like, he looks excellent. Like, everything looks, and it's it's a smaller sample size, but everything looks good on the man. And I do suggest you you search out that article by Shane O'Donnell because he breaks it down with a lot more time and and delicate or <laughs> intricate words than than what I have right now to, to speak of it. But I was really impressed coming away with it. And from what I've seen of Mark Pissick on the ice, he does look pretty sound. Um, but the other mitigating factor in losing Kulikov was cap space. Like Kulikov wasn't easy to resign, like I like I said, um, and Pissick might – well be uh easier to sign and you know have that long-term upside i mean if if that's true if he can develop into an anton strawman like player that's that's pretty solid well yeah yeah the upside
0: is solid um if if willie mitchell was still around that would definitely benefit a guy
1: like Pissick. yeah oh absolutely it's it's too bad i loved willie mitchell the other top four guy, uh, Jason Demers. Did you want to get into him at all? I mean, we, we covered the signing when it happened, but it's a
0: lot of cap space to commit to him. And based on that cap space, they're going to play him. They're probably going to play him with Ekblad.
1: That you know that that might be the case, man. But
0: he's actually a pretty good defensive player, so I mean, it might not be that might not be that bad. I mean, I, I'm, it's not even about being bad or not bad. I just that cap hit that cap
1: hit rubs me the wrong way. It's, I don't know. I'm I'm cool with it. Four years at 4.5 for Demers. I mean, no, it's, he, it's not an awful contract. It's just you know it, it has to work. Yeah. Well, like like Pissick, his his underlying numbers, you know, it makes him out to be an analytics darling, and given the fact that uh, this new structure is taking place, and and they are by all accounts like the leading team in the NHL for you know analytics centric moves and signings this was their guy and I from what I gathered Demers just kind of fell into their lap and this is the kind of player that they wanted to land and everything looked good it looked good in Dallas I mean he created offense he's a solid defender he got involved uh in in every capacity so and da- da- I think it's pretty and solid Dallas got a deal dealing
0: only Brendan Dillon for him
1: yeah, they sure Absolutely. did. They sure did because San Jose doesn't really have much use for Dylan at this Okay, point. so wh- what do the defense pairings look like for them right now? Uh, Ekblad Matheson, Yandel Demers, and Pissick, Petrovic. And that leaves Kendall, um, <laughs> Kindle. Kindle.
0: <laughs> that's another conversation.
1: Yeah. That leaves Kindle, Mikoshin, Camper uh, as extras right now. And then a, a wealth of, of good young defensemen. Uh, behind them, you know, guys like Thomas Shemtich uh, Linus Holstrom, Michael Downing, like, you know, good all young puck moving defensemen uh, with offensive upside. Well, that, that, that's that's that that's how the league is turning, right? Yeah, yeah. It's looking good on the blue line, man. It really is, and that's a huge shakeup, dude. Losing to Branson, Campbell, and Kulikov, dude. Yeah,
0: that's you're talking. You you got six to eight people uh, signed to your blue line on uh, on like solid contracts. That's a giant shakeup. It's a giant shakeup. Mm Hmm. Giant shakeup, man. Sure is. You're switching out three to four bodies. That that's a big overhaul. Oh
1: yeah, and two of them inside your top four. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) So the other guy, uh, Eric Goodbranson, guy that they drafted high, they trade one for one for a guy that was drafted late in the first and round, Jared McCann. Uh, and Jared McCann, I, I mean, I don't like that trade. You know, for how valuable a defenseman is these days. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure it was great. Exactly. Either, you know, and to get a guy like
0: Jared McCann, and Jared McCann actually played wing and center for the Canucks so um, a lot last year. He played both positions. So I, I, I don't even know. It's not that. I want to condemn the Panthers for getting rid of Good Branson, but it's just what are you getting in Jared
1: McCann? Do you, do you have any clue? Well, the only, I guess the only good reason for them moving Good Branson out is because of the wealth of, of young, aspiring defensemen that they have in the cupboard. Like it does open up a spot. I get that. Um, but Good Branson made most of his progress throughout his career last season, and a lot of that was credited to their skating coach, who has been fired. And also the fact that he got some time next to Brian Campbell. And there's just another player that Brian Campbell helped along. Um, but Jared McCann, I mean, he's not necessarily the replacement for like Yuri Hudler or Teddy Purcell, who they failed to retain after and acquiring And Hudler still hasn't signed season. anywhere. Yeah. I that's, know, a, that's a different I conversation,
0: know. just that blows my mind.
1: It is, it is. But it, that's one of my first thoughts is, you know, they they couldn't retain those guys. Now Jared McCann comes in. I mean, he's probably looking at third line minutes. Dude, McCann really should have ever been kept in the NHL last year at 19 years old well, on well, Vancouver. We, we, can,
0: we, can, we can both agree that the, the, the way that Jim – when Jim Benning got assigned the post to the Canucks GM, a lot of people thought that things would go in the right direction – but they're not. They're just not. It's mismanaged. It's it's very mismanaged. And we talked about that uh, in the last podcast about like Colorado. Honestly, I, mm. I I see those franchises, those two franchises, one and the same. Do you not? Yeah. The, the, no, I'm saying like the level of mismanagement. Like it it it's very. Yeah, si- it, it, there's it, been a lot of mistakes. It, it's time. very similar. Is it not?
1: McCann scored five goals in his first nine games. And he finished with nine goals and eighteen points in sixty nine. I mean, like the problem with McCann is he was too young. He was nineteen on a terrible team. He was he was mired in the mediocrity that is Vancouver. And mediocrity is is definitely being mediocrity. Nice. <laughs> definitely, man. Definitely. And, dude, he played mostly bottom six minutes, and he played the majority of his five on five minutes with Chris Higgins and Radham Verbata. I mean. They had horrible years. Higgins is bought out, and Verbata still doesn't have a, a team to play for. He's got decent foot speed. He can dish the puck. He could be i guess I guess the one good thing is he he might be a good option for Nick Bukestad because Bukestad's more of a, a pure shooter.
0: yeah and uh, surprise Bukestad
1: has been used as
0: a uh, as a center a lot for uh, the Panthers, and Bukestad, because he's so big and he does have foot speed it, it could be beneficial for the
1: Panthers to move him out to the wing. It could be. He's just so big. I mean, dude, yeah, like, but he's six six two twenty, man. He's and that could huge. that could be
0: great. That could be great for possession along the boards. It could be, and and mm-hmm. they, they might see upside. Like like you said, they're overhauling their defense, and we just outlined their defense on paper, and it looks pretty good, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So maybe, yeah. maybe a Jared McCann. Maybe they see a guy like Jared McCann slotting in at that third line center, or maybe even fourth line center. With a guy like Buttstag, but Bugstad should not play any lower than the third line. Um, I mean how however they however they stack it. Like they can see him as an extra center <laughs> as an excuse to put a big six six winger or a six-six player, sorry, not a six-six winger, but six six player on the wing.
1: Yeah. No, either way, and, and down the middle he's been strong too. And I think next to right next to that defense and the, the strength and potential that it has. The Panthers' biggest strength, and I mean, honestly, right right in line with that goalie tandem that we spoke of, down the middle, the Panthers are super strong. <laughs> like,
0: oh, absolutely, super man. Super strong down they the middle. You start with Barkov, and then where do you go from there? Trocheck. They just locked
1: up Trocheck. Yep, and then Bukestad, and then Derek McKenzie, like, yep, yep, that's, that's tight. <laughs> it's kind of hard to complain about having a guy like Nick Bukestad as your third line center or winger, um, he's down in points last season, but like he is a natural scoring acumen. He he led the team in shots per sixty all situations. So, last so season. what
0: what I gotta ask you, man, is uh um there's been a lot of
1: detractors since that contract was signed. Like uh, where do you, where do you see Trocheck? It's perfect. It's perfect for the Panthers because Trocheck has so much offensive upside I mean he did have a monster breakout season 25 goals 53 points in 76 games I mean he might have been the difference in not getting the Panthers out of the first round absolutely due to his injury I mean but like six years 4.75 million per season for Vincent Trotrek young talented you know high offensive upside relative to other six year deals that we've seen this is one of if not the highest value contracts i've seen i think i think it's great it's great it's great a lot of these six-year deals are around five and a half six million plus and he's four seven five and and what you have to
0: what you have to take into account is uh barkov signed on pretty much of a deal and so and so at worst if you got barkov as your number one center and then you got Trocheck, and then you combine their cap hits. Like I know we were talking about the Red Wings last podcast, talking about how Glenn Denning and Helm their contracts combined to be like six mil. It's not great, but you combine that steal of a deal that they got on Barkov, and then the steal of a deal they got on Trocheck, which we think is a steal of a deal. Like to spend that much money down the middle on your number one and two centers for the foreseeable future, man, that that's awesome. That's
1: great. Yeah. Let me let me rephrase that troche. Okay, okay. Alexander Barkov signed for six years at five point nine million per year. That is one of, if not the best value contracts I've seen signed. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely, dude. He's, absolutely. He, he's twenty years old, and he's quickly becoming one of the NHL's best two way centers. And he signed for six years under six. <laughs> They're good they're good contracts for the players too. And that's that's the thing is the Panthers. They'll go into those contracts not,
0: and then they'll make more money down well the will.
1: Exactly. Barkov's only twenty years old, so he's twenty six at the end of the deal. He'll get that six, seven year contract that all these other guys. He'll are get his money. He'll get his money. And it, it'll be it'll be an increase in pay. Absolutely. Yeah, so d- down the middle, and then you've got hard nose grinded out Derek McKenzie on the fourth line down the middle, like Solid, 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 solid. Like it's, it's great down the middle. The wing is interesting, I guess. Um, the next most important contract to negotiate is Jonathan Huberdeau. No doubt about it. He plays alongside Alexander Barkov, as well as the NHL's oldest, most awesome player in Yarmir Yager. oh. oh, 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 oh. Um, Look, man, Yager. <clears throat> one thing I, I did mention off the top: some of the things that concern me about the team in terms of their high PDO and then their low rates on the on the special teams, um, and that month long winning streak that you know was wonderful to to watch happen. But that, that's you can't bank on that every year. No, uh, but Yager led the team in points, and that that's a little concerning to me. I, I realize it's Yarmir Yager. I, I get. No, it. I, I totally
0: get where you're coming from. That is concerning. Because somebody else should. It's a little concerning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And probably it probably should be Jonathan Huberto. And I think he's fully capable of that. But they've got to get that kid locked up. And now Jagger does. Ret- uh, no, I'm sorry. Jagger doesn't necessarily retire. But it's a one year remaining on term and it's four million dollars. So that could come off the books. So so what, but- what's what's who what's Huberto's con- uh, contract situation? Last last season, he enters he enters the last season of, of his this, deal. This I year. mean, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. And what do you think Huberto is worth? Um,
0: though, honestly, because Huberto has been injured on and off, like you can't pay injured players. Shit, man, I'm thinking like uh, three point seven five to four point four five somewhere in that realm on a, like a, a four or
1: five year deal. Oh, I think he's gonna go a
0: lot more than you that. You really man. do.
1: I really do. Well, I mean, I really do.
0: If he, if they, well, I, I get your point. If they don't re-sign him before this year and he plays out the contract year, because I because I, I think they're set up for success. Like I, I think he I think he will set himself. Like if he he should play out his contract year this year because it's going to yield big numbers. Uh, the the numbers that I was coming up with was were more based on like if they re-signed
1: him right now. mm Hmm. Yeah, the injuries are a concern. But, I mean, he's only 23. won the Calder in his rookie season. Um, and I was looking at the usage charts that I've mentioned before by Rob Volman. I do suggest you check out the, the website, Hockey Abstract, and I do suggest you buy the books. They are excellent, excellent books. Um, but Huberto, in the usage charts, was tasked with more defensive zone starts than any other top six forward last year for the Panthers. Damn, I so didn't realize that. Huberto. Yeah, crazy, huh? And so Huberto has has proven that he can shut it down defensively. And we know what he's capable offensively, especially judging by his Calder his Calder trophy season. Um yeah, I think he's I think he's a pivot on offense. And when you got Jager leading your team in scoring, like Barkov's great but he's not that massive point generator. Like I think he's capable of like seventy points. I think he's capable of that. It's but not, that's it's not, a not given. necessarily right. He's he's a he's a Kopitar. He's a Taves. Like he's a two way guy that Bergeron. they're going to lean on defensively. Yeah, Bergeron. As much as they are offensively, like he's tasked with shutting it down. If Huberdeau can do that and score points, like Huberdeau is incredibly important, and that's. Kind of where I connect the dots to a Riley Smith, and how do you feel about a five million dollar cap hit cap hit over five years for for Riley? Smith? Well, I mean,
0: my man showed that he had offensive acumen in the playoffs, right? I mean, we saw it. Yeah, a- absolutely, mm-hmm. we saw it in the playoffs, and and we saw it in Boston before the trade. We saw it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I, I like the Trocheck deal a lot. I just. I don't know if I really see how that Raleigh-Smith deal fits in there. Um, they do have uh, Lawson Kraus coming in on an entry-level deal, and I, I really do think he's ready. Like, I, Mark my words, man, on this podcast, mark my words, Lawson Kraus is going to play some meaningful minutes for the Panthers this year.
1: I'm pretty excited about Lawson Kraus, man, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think what's going to happen potentially is – you know, we've seen middle and contracts get teams in a little bit of trouble or at least have to make tough decisions in the past. And Riley Smith, he's looking like a, you know, pure shooter, but he's always shot at a high shooting percentage in both of his 20-goal seasons. He's only had two seasons in which he's hit the 20-goal clip.
0: But and his four goals and eight played? points
1: in... How many games played total? He's got a total of 285 NHL games to his name. Uh both of his twenty goal seasons he played the full eighty two games in those seasons uh the season last season with boston he scored only thirteen and eighty one so I mean with Riley Smith, if he hits at that at that number and he sustains a high shooting percentage and he has like a, a developed chemistry with trochek that lasts sure that's great if if you can get almost thirty goals out of a player at that at that number then that's a pretty solid deal, but there's no doubt about his first round in the playoffs really raising his market value. Well, do we, do we know anything
0: about his uh, eligibility in the expansion draft?
1: Uh-huh. See, that's that's one thing that I think could potentially save the. Yeah, banking. that's what I
0: was thinking is, like, if, if he's a guy that doesn't have trade protection, then he could be a guy that's, you know, a $5 million cap. I mean, Columbus has got, like, five of those guys. So, like, he could be a guy that could be, get picked up in the expansion draft,
1: his NTC kicks in uh, in two years, so so that he could be left exposed. avoids. Yep, that avoids the expansion. So that's a that's a that's a get out of jail free card. Absolutely, because he's a, he's an enticing player for a team like that to take. He can score goals, and he's young. His cap hit is not egregious, and he's young. Yeah, yeah, they, they could they so, could
0: take him. That's not yeah. a guarantee at all, but no. they could. It's an him, enticing option, like you said.
1: Yep. him, Jokinen, and Trocheck were coursey monsters for that Panthers team last season. And Jokinen, I don't want to say too much about him right now, but I mean two years remaining at four million, he could be exposed at, at expansion as well. But he is quietly one of the best two way wingers you could ask for. That's that's a pretty solid top six man. You got Barkov between Huberto and Jager, and Trocheck between Smith and Jokinen. You know, we we spoke about dad down there with Jared McCann. A couple of new guys come in. Uh, we mentioned it in a recent podcast. Uh, Colton Sevier and Jonathan Marchessault uh, and Jonathan Marchessault come in, and then the Panthers have you know some some drafted and developed talent in uh, Logan Shaw available as well. Well, I saw something interesting
0: when I looked at um, what was the NHL roster resource because they have their depth charts and they're pretty accurate when you look at them. And they showed uh, Marchessault and Sevier on the third line under eight k like each for multiple years, and they're gonna start on your wings on the third line. Like, damn, you know what I mean? Damn, man, that's a giant value.
1: Yeah, they could potentially put him in between um... Bukestad and you know Marchessault. Can he can shoot the puck, man? Offensively, that guy is is gifted, and and Sevier, he's not gonna blow you away with his you know he works hard with his dangles. But he's a hard worker, and he can open up some eyes. If you
0: put the if you
1: put the right center between him and Marsh and Mar- so, then it could work. It really could, yeah. yeah. And, and Logan Shaw has shown a lot of potential uh, at, at the NHL level. He's a guy that could move up as high as the third line. I mean, if he gets clicking, he could go higher as well. It's just going to be hard to break that top six unless Yager goes down. Yeah, which is a possibility. I mean, it is. You're not. You, I don't disagree. It, it, it could happen. Yeah, overall, man, I mean, this roster <laughs> this is a really good-looking roster, man. Hey, I think we should do something um and we'll 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 save it until closer to the beginning of the new season. But um General Fanager has that awesome expansion tool. Uh, oh, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Yeah, I want to I want to do a, a draft well, Yeah, we're going to draft a team. No, oh, we're going to do that. Yeah, there's,
0: there's no question yeah. on that. We're going to do that. I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Man. We're going to do that. We'll, we'll have a, a whole episode special on that. We're definitely going to do that. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, even if uh, the Panthers had changed their logo to, you know, Hello Kitty or some bullshit like that, um, this team's, this team's going to rock it next year. Although, I am going to say, I think they start out of the gate a little slow. It's a completely revamped defense. They don't necessarily – doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to click right away. Um, they played a little ab- above what I think they were capable of last season. I think it just worked out. Um, I think maybe out of the gate they slow down a little bit, and if they do, then I'm a little concerned for Dale Talon and Gerard Gallant. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm I'm kind of expecting something of that nature. But by the end of the season, I think that's going to be a deadly division, and Could be. the fact that Tampa. Tampa and Florida are going to be so strong up against each other for the duration of it. Like, oh man! <laughs> well, honestly, on, <laughs> honestly, honestly, in my opinion, it all comes down to what what type of
0: step Ekblad takes.
1: Yeah, for, I mean, if 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 Ekblad completely dropped off, then you know he takes the franchise down with him because they've they've put they've put their faith in him as their number one. I mean, he's he's their headman, you know. Yeah. He's he's their guy, and so yeah, absolutely. It it com- it's completely dependent on Eric, Aaron Eckblad's development. But I I don't have any concerns barring injury. No, I I, have I, no I don't concerns have concerns either. That, I only asked the question
0: because that's, like I said, the forwards are in place, the goaltending's in place. Like he needs to carry that defense. He needs to take that step and be a number one defenseman.
1: Yep, yep. And he's no, he's, I, he's I, got I he's capable. got the
0: potential. Like he can do it. He could
1: totally do it. Yeah, no, I there's no doubt about it. I uh, some of the better hockey games that I've I've witnessed firsthand have actually been between the Panthers and the Lightning. Um, I'm definitely making some of those games this season and I really, really hope that we finally get to see those guys matched up in the in the postseason. I'd we'll love see. to see a couple We'll see.
0: <laughs> we'll see. Oh, It'd be boy. great.
1: Even even a second round. Even a second round. Hey, one thing I think might be Be interesting, although it doesn't add a whole lot, um, considering these teams aren't complete. When we do a team like this, um, or a couple teams at a time, like we've talked about doing, um, what do you think about, you know, not rating in terms of a grade or percentage, but what do you think about trying to? Assume whether they will be playoff teams or not. I'm down for that.
0: But since we're doing the Florida Panthers now, uh, we, I got to, I got to ask the question, playoff team or not, if we're going to do it for the other teams, you're going to do it right now. Playoff team or not? Yes. I have a hard time disagreeing with you, man. I really do. I have a hard time disagreeing.
1: No, I think they're firmly in and uh, we already did the ducks. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes for the ducks too. Well, I mean, you can easily say that for the ducks. So, so,
0: so what's up, man? Like, any more thoughts on the Panthers or, like, you just, I mean, we you think we covered everything?
1: I think I think it covers it, man. I really do. I think we hit, you know, all the important aspects on the team in terms of expansion and, and positionally. Um, do you want to not necessarily make it our next podcast? Do you want to come up with our next team that we're going to talk ooh, about ooh, when ooh. we do talk about
0: a team? Oh, you did this to me last time, didn't you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, why do I got to draw the name out the hat, man? Fuck you. Um, you you,
1: you want to flip it on? No,
0: there? no, no! I got it, I got it, I got it. Let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Uh, shit. Um, damn. I hate the team. I hate the franchise as a Red Wings fan. I hate what they did with Shea Weber. I kind of think Montreal Canadiens.
1: Oh, we want to go half. Yeah, Nate? because there's
0: a lot to talk about there. And it's mostly negative, and I get that. But I, I think that's an interesting conversation. I mean, it is. Yep. Habs, Habs it is. Habs. I'm thinking Habs, man. Habs. <laughs> All
1: right. Sounds good,
0: man. All right, man. Well, uh, see We'll see you guys later. Uh, peace.